This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Playing with Squirrels, a Boy Meets World fan cast. Episode 11. I am joined by Mike of one of my favorite podcasts. The Men in Their 30s Only podcast. Uh, Mikey, thanks so much for joining me on this week's episode. Ah, thanks for having me, Matt. I love Boy Meets World. Uh, so we're going to be talking about Father-Son Game. Uh, this episode was released on December 17th, 1993. Um, it's funny because I only have a handful of notes here, but like they're very large discussion piece notes that I have. Um, the biggest one being, I'm not sure about you, but I felt like it was really crazy how relevant the Pledge of Allegiance conversation was to 2017. No, they were like 20 years ahead of the game. <laughs> like, as soon as that started happening, I'm like, how? how is this real? How am I witnessing an argument on Boy Meets World in 1993 that directly mirrors an argument that is happening nationally for the last like six months and, and they just kind of like slid it in there like it was they did it very well miss lawrence i couldn't help noticing that you didn't recite the pledge of allegiance this morning yes sir i elected not to why was that i didn't feel like it <laughs> this is gonna be cool what was that mr matthews uh i said this is gonna be cool mr feeney why because you're finally going to nail Topanga for being weird. Do you think it's weird to engage in social protest? I think it's weird to pick on me when she didn't say the Pledge of Allegiance. Well, Mr. Matthews, it seems that you and Miss Lawrence have opposing positions for this morning's debate. Uh-oh. You've been set up, bud. Mr. Feeney told you not to say the Pledge? Today's social study discussions, American traditions, the Pledge of Allegiance versus social protest. Mr. Matthews, defend all glory. Miss Lawrence, defend the right to dissent. Just because it's a tradition doesn't mean you have to do it. But it's the Pledge of Allegiance. It takes like 10 seconds to say. Why can't you just say it and make everyone happy? Because if I'm forced to do it, just because it's some tradition I don't understand, then it doesn't make me happy. Can you spell peculiar? <laughs> oh, and you're normal? You talk to a flag every day and you don't even know what you're saying. But I do it. I do it because I'm supposed to do it. 
And that's what makes me a great American. <laughs> that's what makes this country great. That flag. Because that flag gives us the right to have this discussion. And this discussion is the most important discussion we will ever have. And I, I hear... Yeah, it was... So, well, so this episode, I'm not sure if you caught who wrote this episode... But it's one of the more noteworthy um, first season Boy Meets World writers. Uh, this episode was written by Bill Lawrence, who you might know as the creator of Spin City and Scrubs and a few other shows. Uh, and I've heard him on podcasts talk about how embarrassed he was that he was a writer for Boy Meets World in its first season. But I think that this is actually one of the better first season episodes, all things considered, because it's very touching it's very heartwarming and again it's super relevant and has a lot of good things to say yeah no and it taught like a lot of lessons i was actually thinking in the very end wow how do they write this they just kind of like tied everything together so i i didn't know who wrote it but i was definitely impressed with how he did write it yeah it i feel like this podcast has given me a much deeper appreciation for some of these first season episodes because i tend to like if I'm going to watch Boy Meets World, I usually start around seasons two or three because I kind of don't see the first season as very good. But the last like four or five episodes that I've watched have been really good and held up a lot better than I anticipated them to do. Um, Are they all kind of that deep as this one was? Not always. Um, some of them are very... It depends on how heavy they play up the like... Corey being a douchebag who loves sports angle um this one really shied away from it for the most part which is weird being that it's about a baseball game um which side note this debuting in december i don't understand who's playing a softball game mid-december in philadelphia but <laughs> that that well, the, the bookstore versus the supermarket <laughs> <laughs> which I'm not going to lie, if my town was having a baseball game between all of the employees of a bookstore and all of the employees of the supermarket, I would absolutely be at that game to watch it. That was my one thing. I thought that uh, Eric and Corey would want to go play this game, especially with how, like in the on the last episode of the podcast, you were talking about how much Corey loves sports, and especially like Topanga was going to be there. I... That was the one thing I had trouble buying into was that they wouldn't want to go do that. Yeah, that was that's kind of weird in general, um, especially like you said, Topanga played. Topanga was excited to play. Yeah, I guess it must have been just doing it maybe with your dad. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's very I don't know. And then and then they end up loving it by the end, which, you know, dramatic change of them having played it for years and not wanting to have a part of it. And then they play this time and they're already like setting up next week's rematch for a best out of three. Yeah, that was, was like another lesson that they taught us. You know? <laughs> so many lessons in this episode of 22 minutes. Um, the one joke that I think actually held up super well is uh, there's a scene in which Minkus leaves his cheeseburger at the uh, cafeteria table while he goes to get a drink. And the whole sequence is like Corey's very in his own head and he's rambling about all the issues that he's having. Meanwhile, um, Sean is basically just talking to the audience about how he has a problem with self-control 
and the fact that there is such an easy attempt to prank Minkus in front of him that he can't control himself and he's just pouring salt and yogurt and stuff inside this cheeseburger and then Minkus completely outsmarts them and I, I had a genuine laugh at the way that he outsmarted them which is almost embarrassing to admit because this is a, definitely like still a very kids-centric show at this point. But I, I've i said it enough on this show. I really love Minkus. I think Minkus is like the superstar of the first season. <laughs> I like that in that scene they let Minkus win. Yeah, absolutely. It's such a good... So the, the move that Minkus does is he uh, he knows that they definitely pranked his burger so he points off in the distance and says, look, it's Shaquille O'Neal. And then they kind of just are like, oh, really? And like look away as a joke. And he just lifts up both trays and slams them down real loud. And then they throw something at him and switch the burgers. Stephen Hawking. Yeah, Stephen Hawking. And uh, it's a very like, it makes you think of that scene in The Princess Bride where Wallace Shaw pretends to have switched the drinks. <laughs> like it's a very it's a very weird little scene but i i enjoy it very much uh and the other thing that i really loved in this episode was the return of my favorite side character uh their dad's co-worker leonard leonard spinoli who i just love <laughs> he stole the show he definitely like <laughs> i wrote like three notes and he's the one of them <laughs> That's what that show always did was the um, kind of the bit characters who would just pop up were always so good because they were they were exaggerated, you know? Oh, yeah. To like the nth degree. There's always I remember the one was um, I want to say it was Davy Jones, but it was someone from the monkeys. And every time he would enter a room, he would say his name. He's like, it's me, Nigel, Nigel Loveberry or like whatever his name was. And, like, that was the joke throughout the entire episode. And I remember my brother used to say just that line constantly. And he was such a throwaway character. But they—they, they, you're right. Like, the Boy Meets World from the very beginning was so good at its, like, really memorable, weird side characters. Last week we had the very Brooklyn elf popping in to, to give Morgan back the money for not getting a picture with Santa. And in uh in this episode we've got Leonard Leonard Spinoli. Uh, and does he pop up again? He was in a previous episode. Oh wow! Uh, where he he had a line that I liked where he was he kept showing up on uh, Mr. Matthews' days off to report issues that were happening at the store, and uh, he goes, "Come on, Leonard! Like you're an assistant manager, you're able to handle this kind of stuff." He's like, so I'm going to go and hang out with my kids. And what are you going to do? And he's like, I'm going to make sure that we never put the rotisserie chickens next to all of the flammables ever again. And he's like, <laughs> how bad is how how much of the store is on fire? He's like, we still have stuff. <laughs> like, like it's just such I love how neurotically obnoxious that character is. Um, but yeah, and he kept mentioning how he was on pain pills. <laughs> um, oh yeah, there's a one. He has like the one line where they're like, "Just me and our dad." He's like, "And his employee Leonard." And they're like, uh, "Leonard, it was really supposed to be just one of." He's like, "Such pain." 
I'm in such pain. <laughs> like, uh, I'll have to pull that clip because that clip is amazing. Mental loaf? Did we ask for this? No, but I threw that in because I really love it. What? Well, now we got everything we need for that all-guy party you described. Lenny, Look, um, about that party, Lenny. Vast emotional damage. We'd be delighted if you could attend. Thank you. Delighted to be here. I'll go turn um, off my car. It's really, like you said, it's really weird how they're able to tie together the... So the, there's two plot lines that are happening in this episode, but unlike most sitcoms where, like, one half of the cast is in the A story and another half of the cast is in the B story, Corey is in both stories. So the A story is a debate that he's having with Topanga over whether you should just stand for the Pledge of Allegiance because it's what you're supposed to do, or if you don't have faith in what you're pledging, that you should be allowed to sit down. Topanga believing that you should sit down. The other story being that Corey and Eric don't want to participate in the father-son baseball game against the bookstore. But somehow both of those stories do converge beautifully in like the giant final lesson of the episode. And that's really kind of cool because they're two very different topics, but it's really smart how they rope it together. Yeah, no, I think Corey said something like, if you love something like a country or a father, you should show your allegiance. And just tie on both. Yeah, things. and it, it actually has one of the... Uh, Emotion, probably my favorite emotional moment of this, where he says all that, and Mr. Feeney says, what about a teacher? And then the bell rings, and everybody leaves, and then Corey pops his head back in and says, and a teacher, and, like, walks away. And it's that, like, I like that around this point in the first season, they start to put the building blocks of, like, Corey starting to recognize how important Mr. Feeney is to him. Because um, the first, like, eight, seven or eight episodes is just, you know, Corey shitting on Mr. Feeney because he's this teacher that's always getting up on his case. Oh, yeah. And that was a great moment. That, like, warmed my heart when Corey kind of just popped back in and and said that to Mr. Yeah, Feeney. it's been, they've been, the last, like, three or four episodes, I would say, have really done a great job of capturing a lot of the heartwarming moments that come in later seasons. Um, but it's definitely still like this episode's good, but it's still not to the level of great that like future episodes eventually get to. When do you think it gets? I would great? say third season. Um, third season has probably the episode that I always say is like the turning point episode for me, which is right when Eric's about to leave the school and they find his Feeny puppet. And that, to me, is like the the launch pad of the really absurd sense of humor where he starts walking around with his Mr. Feeney puppet and assigning people detention through the puppet. Um, and then from, like, season... That's towards the end of season three. Season four is, like, right when it gets to the, the level of what you remember catching on TV after school or during college. <laughs> right. Um, so... Speaking of that, of things that are great, uh, I'd like. To, I think we're about at the point where we can roll into the second half of the show, which is that, you know, I've pointed out that it's really weird that this episode is uh, in December because it does. It feels like a more spring time of the year for them to be playing a father son baseball game. But you've told me that one of your favorite episodes actually is a Christmas episode of Boy Meets World, so I guess we'll use that as a launch pad into. 
What are some of your favorite episodes of Boy Meets World? Yeah, my favorite one is, uh, it's called Easy Street. It was season four, episode 12. It was the one where um, Sean takes a, uh, what they call a cushy job, working in that restaurant for uh, Mr. Martini and Mr. Fontaine. Um, and, and basically, Corey is decides to go the other path. And then in the end, they both kind of, they're sitting in the snow and there's that special moment where Sean has to decide like which path does he want to go down? Uh, it's just, for me, that's boy meets world. I, I watched that once with my uh, dad, who was probably 60 years old at the time. And he really, you could tell was enjoying it. And to me, that's what boy meets world is like, you can be 60, you can be 30, you can be 10, and you're still yeah. moved by it. No, and that's, and that's right in that season four era where it starts to get really, really, really good. Um, do you have, besides watching that with your dad, do you have any, like, like what's your history with Boy Meets World? Was this something that you watched when you were in school, or was this something that you discovered later on in college? Where was your, like... It basically, it basically ran while I was in high school and college. I got into it. When I was in college, me and my roommates would just kind of, you know, hang out, not go to class and just watch it. And at the time it was in syndication. So you could watch like back to back episodes. Um, and we were about the same age as the characters. You know, I think I'm 39. I think, you know, Eric's like 38. Corey's 37. Um, so when I think back on it, I just they we're almost like they were friends of mine, you know? Yeah. I, and I think that that's, I feel like that's the ongoing thing that I hear with a lot of people is just that it was the first show that felt genuine in a weird way. Like, I don't think there was a lot of shows that I was watching at that time where I felt like the characters were people that I could meet at school as much as boy meets world. They really captured just like the everyday, kid in a realistic way there because i never ran into a steve urkel you know what i mean but i absolutely met uh, my fair share of Corey matthews and, and definitely sean oh yeah sean's galore sean, kids who have a good heart and really do want to be better but you know circumstances of life have set them on like a different course like that's a huge population of people that i've met Actually, his name is Ryder Strong. Yeah. And um, I was like, there's no way that can be his real name. So I, I looked <laughs> it up. It actually is his real name. And it, his, his middle name is King. <laughs> That's amazing. That's the best name a parent could ever give to a child. That's a better gift than birth. Yeah. <laughs> to be born into that name. No, he definitely had better parents in uh, real life than he did on the show. <laughs> so before we wrap up like i said i have actually been on your podcast at least once before hopefully uh back again in the future but tell the audience a little bit about men in their 30s uh, it's uh men in their 30s only and it's uh me and chris fafalius two guys in our 30s uh we basically just probably divulge way too much of uh my personal life and just talk about current events um and just kind of what's going on and just try to make it entertaining 
So what happens next year when you're 40? Are you are you booted from the show? Has this been discussed or or do you get to stay? We've been doing it for over 3 years now and the I mean ongoing uh I guess joke/commentary was that I would be gone. <laughs> we haven't really resolved what does what does <laughs> we we just never, you know, we just figured well, 3 years from now will never happen. Um and it looks like it's going to happen here pretty soon. And I, I love the show. I, I didn't know what to expect from the show because I know Chris through his band Punchline and I've met him a few times when I was living in an L- in L.A. He's friends with a friend of mine. And I just kept hearing, the show's really funny, you got to give it a shot. The show's really funny, you got to give it a shot. Um, so I checked it out and especially the early episodes, I actually... I really love the first few episodes because there's almost this like comedic blandness to it. Like if if that makes sense, like it was a very like, all right, we're just going to discuss things that guys in their thirties will understand. And like, it was just so over the top in the beginning with focusing specifically on like, this is what happens when you're in your thirties that it was hysterical. And then it, slowly morphed into like the more you listen to the show the more you actually care about you and chris and like what's going on in each other's lives and it became more of just like a very public journal entry from you two on a weekly basis and i kind of like that it evolved like that thanks you are you're way better at uh selling it than i than i am (laughs) (laughs) i want to go back and listen now Uh, I will say my favorite thing to ever come out of that show was the I'm all out of bees, I'm all out of meat song from uh, <laughs> from Chris. But there's been some top-notch things throughout the entire run of the show. Everyone, go and, go and listen. If you're threatened by the fact that it's been running for three years, there was a lot of different hiatuses throughout that, so it's not that many episodes that you have to tackle. <laughs> yeah, no, hiatuses, that's our, that's our trademark. <laughs> and game time. And game. I should oh, I should have prepared a game time for you. Oh, blow me to game time. That would be we'll, we'll do that next time. Next time I'm on do that because, okay. you know, Chris has admitted that he's never watched the show, so it'll give me a slight edge. <laughs> well, thank you so much Mike for joining us. Uh quick notice for everybody listening. Uh speaking of hiatuses, as you know, I dropped the episodes on the day that the episode originally aired. Um, so they took a break. So they're not, I won't be back until 2018. Uh, January 7th is the next episode. Um, and then it gets real sporadic. Uh, the next, actually, it's the last 10 episodes uh, just uh, aired sporadically between January and June. So, uh, you know. Don't be shocked if there's some pretty big lulls on this podcast for for a bit. But uh, we will be back, as always. And thank you again, Mike. And go and check out Mike's show, Men in Their 30s Only. It's on iTunes and a bunch of other places. But iTunes is the easiest way to find it. And uh, thank you again, Mike. We'll definitely have you back, especially in about four years when we're on uh, season four. I'll have you on for Easy Street. Mr. Matthews, you were a pro-pledger, as I recall. Yeah, I was, but I thought it over. Oh? And you've changed your position? No, I haven't, but I can argue better now. Really? Well, then, the floor is yours. 
at first I thought we should just say it because it was a tradition and it's a flag. But now I think it's dumb to do something and not know why you do it. And uh, what conclusion has that led you to? That if there's something you care about, like the country you live in or the father you have, then allegiance, which means, now, loyalty or devotion to a government or a group or a person. Allegiance is something you should show. So then you believe that you should respect the traditions of that government or group or person? Yeah, I should have. Or teacher? teacher.